SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? It's Therese Paler, Chief's beat writer for the Kansas City Star, and I'm here with two of my main guys, man. Two of my guys I love to talk football with, with an appropriate, appropriate timing too, because it's the NFL Draft, and everybody knows this is my time of year, and I like talking football with football guys around the draft, so I'm happy to bring on my main man, Nick Jacobs. Nick, how you doing? I'm good, but you interrupted my uh, movie draft day with Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's my tradition, where I get, you know, where he's going to take David Putnam, the kick returner, and uh, tells him to... Uh, something inappropriate about pancakes. <laughs> Get in the spirit of the season. Very unrealistic movie, but very, very. Um, may, I'm thinking maybe that's one of those movies that you tend to like a little more after time goes by. Um, it, it, well, and it's fitting because it's the Browns and Dorsey's going to be doing it this year. So I imagine it's exactly how Dorsey's War Room is going to go this year. I'm going to draft Vontae Mack. Who's <laughs> a, a good football player? <laughs> All right, Nick. And then we've got. The man, the myth, the legend is Rich Baldinger, former Chiefs lineman, football analyst. Rich, how you doing? Baldy, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, man. I'm just outside of Philadelphia right now, but I'm ready to partake in this show. But I know when I'm done, I'm going to probably invest in one of the biggest cheesesteak pops. Well, so I'll manage through the show, but I know when it's over with, there might be some damage along the way. I like the concept of investing in the cheesesteaks. I'm in. That is, that's a really good concept. Hey, it, 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 it's lime and it's food. It's, it's, simple, right? it's great. <laughs> All right. Um, man, let's talk about Chiefs draft needs. The NFL draft's coming up. Um, specifically, what would you say are the areas that you feel like you got to come out of this draft with if you're Brett Veach? Go ahead, Baldy. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, well, you know, guys, you've got to look at the last three years in the playoffs. And, you know, it's the same thing, man. i got to believe that, you know, you look at that front seven and you have to look at not only what, what kind of defense is it that you want. Is it a 30 front? Is it a 4-3? Are you looking for speed? Are you looking for power? I don't know if we knew last year where we needed to be, and I thought we had some people out of place. And on top of that, the loss of Derek Johnson, we know what his personality was on the field as a leader. You lose a guy like Tomba. Now, I know as a former lineman, I would have been there the day he retired. I would have hugged him and said, thank you. Right. Goodbye. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's a couple pieces in that puzzle, not to be long-winded, that I think, you, I read these hats to look at in terms of leadership, depth, but some quality starters, not only on the edge, but also inside. Nick, what you got to say, baby? Well, I, I, I'll never disagree with you or Baldy on anything. Um, <laughs> and I'm always going to let Baldy talk first because he's the guy who actually played. I'm just saying, he actually knows what it's like to play in the NFL and deal with Marty and deal with three-a-days and two-a-days and all that. And he actually had to sleep in those dorms. Speaking of Baldy... What was it like sleeping in those dorms back in training camp back in the day? 
I had my camper out back. I never slept. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. Oh, I can only imagine. I figured big guy that out real quick. I figured, I, I'll leave it at that. This is a family hour. I'm not going yeah, anywhere. Yeah, Baldy's well, a smart man, dude. He got it all figured out. Um, Chiefs draft-wise, I mean, like Baldy and I have talked about before, and Perez, you and I have talked about, you, you used to think that they – that they, for the most part, had the 22 starters, had it all locked down and figured out. But each playoff loss, you're like, you know, maybe not. You know, there's there's just been something about that defense that's just never had that attitude that it had back in 2013. It's just never had the same pass rush. And, and the only other time that came close was 2015 with that defensive line and that front seven. And in the secondary at that point, that was kind of when their window closed after that after that Patriots game. So, I mean, defensively, like we talked about, I mean, they're, they're going to need to replace the edge rushers they have in the next couple of years because probably Justin Houston's going to be able to get, I, I don't know, Justin Houston's going to be able to get it back together and be forward. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. I think they're fine at inside linebacker, but yeah, I think, I think nose tackle, I think defensive end. I think they need help at corner. They need help with safety. They need another tight end with Kelsey potentially. They may need a slot receiver. I guess the only thing we can say is the only thing that they I don't think they need right now is a quarterback and running back. I think I think they're good on those two fronts. Yeah, I agree. That that's kind of the that's kind of the premise I've been operating under. They signed all these running backs. You know, Spencer Ware's. You know, we don't know if he's going to come back fully in that, but they signed all these running backs as insurance. I don't think they're going to draft one. And the quarterback, they draft two vet- they signed two veteran quarterbacks for a reason in Matt McGloin and Chad Henney. They might invest in like a developmental type guy too, but I don't think that's going to be the priority. Um, I-, I think everything on defense is possible. D-line, edge, corner, and safety will absolutely be addressed. And tight end will be as well in some uh, way, shape, or form. I also would not sleep on offensive line. Um, one of the reasons I'm in, uh, I'm looking forward to this podcast is because um, you know these are three big we're three big guys we all know what it's like to play in the trenches although Baldy you you made it much farther than Nick and I did <laughs> um, but <laughs> way farther like almost almost so far that I probably like shouldn't have said that but uh, the point is we're big guys and we appreciate like the 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 toughness that you got to have to play on the line so uh, let's talk about the offensive line a little bit let's just go there. You know, Baldy, where are you at with these these guys? And if you had to pick somewhere to help to get help on offensive line for the Chiefs, where would it be? Well, I don't know what the future is with Parker Anger. You know, with him coming back from the knee surgery, I knew that you know before he got hurt, he was he was my guy in the line. I said, you know, I think we've got a guy here that's going to be a Pro Bowler for quite a few years. The way he came off the ball, I was like. Wow, that's a throwback. That, that 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 kid's got something. Got some wheels. I can only dream of having that athletic ability. But you know, I feel the left guard position right now is really a question mark. You know, I, I think with Fisher over the left tackle, he needs that guiding light inside to help him out with you know, picking up stunts and just maneuvering to the linebacker on the second level and working, you know, on all the zone reads and everything. So I think the left guard position, I wasn't happy. You know, Mitch Morris at the center position now, you know, can he overcome the concussion situation? Can he stay healthy? And, you know, so that's a question mark for us, you know, right now going forward there. So 
you know, I think those are the two spots for me right now that I really, really, you know, wonder about. And I might even look at an alignment in the in high in the first couple of rounds if the issues on the defense weren't so pronounced. So I think yeah, I'd like to take a couple of these guys, but I think with what we have on defense right now, the question marks, I, I, I just don't see alignment being picked until maybe later, you know, or just being picked up on uh, you may be a free agent or something like that. Where are you at with it, Nick? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as Baldy. Obviously, Parker Anger is, is a guy. I remember whenever Baldy and I were doing the shows and we were expecting sports on Red Zone, I sent him Parker Anger and I asked what he thought on that because I just I hadn't seen an offensive lineman that had that technique. So once I got that Baldy stamp of approval, I was like, all right. <laughs> so my eyes aren't deceiving me. Um, and Parker, yeah, I just I know the the knee. I don't know if that was 100 percent or not last year. They wanted to kind of let it get back to that point, but he needs to be out there playing. I mean, he he should have been their starting left guard if he was healthy last year. And then at the same aspect, Mitch Morris to me, I've always felt Mitch Morris is a guard. I think he's a guy who you want in combo blocks, you want pulling, you want that, and that's what I liked about him. I, I prefer a center that sets that pocket and sets that interior. I don't care if they pull or not. Give me two athletic guards and give me a center that holds that pocket, and I think everything can be perfectly fine because it's not like you're going to find Dick Vermeil's offense. That was a once-in-a-lifetime offensive line to have that many athletic guys, to have Willie Rose move as well as he did on the football field, and have Casey Wegman and all that aspect. It just With Pat Mahomes, like I know Baldy, I've talked about it before, and Therese, I think I've talked about it with you. Pat Mahomes may hold on the ball a little bit longer, so I mean yeah. that left tackle spot is going to be a lot more, lot more important this year. Or having helped where they chip with that is going to be important. Exactly. And long term, you got to make a decision on Fisher after this year financially, because I know he's going to be about thirteen things in that thirteen million range next year. You got to make a decision if he's going to be worth that. And then Mitch Morris, I think his contract's up. You don't have Zach Fulton to back him up now. And, I mean, I feel like Mitchell Schwartz is their best offensive lineman. And then Parker Anger, to me, is the other best offensive lineman. Then after that, I, I have question marks about every other position and the backups for those positions. Yeah, I think from my point of view, I, I definitely think center is going to get addressed. Uh, it might be a developmental guy. It could be a... It could be somebody that could help sooner. I mean, it it, it kind of depends on who's there. I, I think that they're not afraid to continue investing on offense because their entire tenure depends upon the quarterback Patrick Mahomes being good. So I'm actually, I don't, I'm not sure that they won't take like a center or like guard they really like early. We know they had a formal interview with Joe Noteboom, who was a tackle. I think they might take one of those guys too um, because they have a decision on Fisher after the year. So if they can find somebody they like. They could totally go all in on offense and get by with the defense this year, knowing that they'd have to address it next season. This is not a one-year type deal. When I tell people this, they don't believe it, but I mean it. This is a two-year kind of turnaround thing. They could go 8-8 eight and eight this year, 9-7. and seven. But the defense was always going to be better next year than it is this year, and there are various reasons for that. I think um, – Offensive guard, I'm with you guys on Inger. We talked about that, but I, I could see them taking a developmental guy or even a plug-and-play guy if the right guy falls. Um, you know, I, I just think that the offensive line is an area where they lost those games in the middle of the year. They lost those five games because the offensive line, those guys were getting it handed to them every every week for five weeks. Like that, P 
people know that internally on the team. I, I'd be surprised if they didn't do a little more to address it than what they have here. I mean, they could be counting on improvement because of injury. You know, Mitch Morris was hurt last year, and so was DuVernay, and that affected their play. But, you know, you still want to ensure yourself because if one of those guys gets hurt again, what do you have? You're even worse because you don't have Fulton. So I want to prepare the people listening for them to potentially take a really unsexy um, interior guy maybe sooner than you think. Uh, let's move ahead to the defensive line. Do do we think, guys, Baldy, do we think that these guys have enough attitude up front? Because I personally, we've talked about this before, I think they need a wolf. They need like a tone, tempo, setting, nasty guy in there. And I don't know who that is in the front seven. Yeah, that is the question mark for him. You know, my career, I spent days with Bill Moss and I don't even know I'm here in Philadelphia. I'm having nightmares already. Maybe he's walking around here. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Therese, it, it, it's the question mark. You know, it, it, it goes back to the fundamentals of football. Everybody wants to talk about all these things, but it's always about being able to run the football and stop the run. And it's something this defense has not been able to do for, what, the last two years. And by the time playoff time came, it, you know, the ugly head reared again last year, and we saw the issue. So, But I, what I wonder, though, also, too, though, and just looking over the year, is that do we have the personnel to play a 34 front? Do you have the personnel that is strong enough? Are they able to two-gap? You, know, you know, that's a tough thing to do. Some guys can do it. Some guys just can't do it. And... So I think we've got to figure out what our philosophy is. What is it that you want and then build around it? I think the last couple of years we had some people playing out of position, and I, I think it showed up in the playoff games. And, you know, when you get there and you got to be the best of it, we just didn't have it. So did the guys lose their confidence? Did they not be able to do what they want to do well? And so maybe they're not playing as aggressive as you want them to. And, Maybe that's why you're not finding that one guy who's stepping up and bringing an attitude. Nick, where are you at with it? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. It's, it's one of those things where it's just, it felt like the, the stars were all aligned for Sutton to run his new team in 2013. And, I mean, you had Alan Bailey, you had Don Terry Poe, who was still really he was only in his second year at that time. And then you had Mike DeVito, and Mike DeVito is all he can agree with was as strong as an ox, and he could just set the edge on one side, Houston set the other, and Poe was right there in the middle, and the three of those guys just, they, they were able to do so much for, for that run defense, and then you you just, uh, you, it just seems like Bob had an idea of what he wanted a scheme to be, and he just kept trying to fit people into that, and I don't ever feel like he truly took advantage of of what players' strengths were as times progressed to where I just, I don't, scheme-wise, I really don't know where they are, and I don't think they know where they are. All I know is they're in sub-package a lot more now than they used to be, and they get run all over, and they don't adjust to it, and it seems to continue to happen, and so it's going to be interesting if they finally find an identity, and I think, like Bobby said, that's been a portion of why they've struggled as long as they have, because they just don't they don't know who they are it seems like they change some weeks and then other weeks teams know how to exploit it and how to adjust them based on formation and i, I don't know i just kind of i see players who feel like there's this 
there's not enough answers for them when there should be based on the talent that they have. Yeah, I also don't think that there's – I just don't know who's holding people accountable in the front seven, to be honest. Um, I think Justin Houston is somebody pe- those guys look to because he's a good player who does have a strong voice. But, you know, I think there's a difference between, like, what Justin Houston brings intangibly and what Baldy is talking about as far as having kind of like a wolf and like a true alpha type guy. Um you know, if they had more money, somebody like Indomitian and Sue could have kind of brought that. I think all three of us have talked about that at one point. Um, he, Sue has his issues, but as far as being nasty and kind of being somebody who sets the attitude of the front, you know, he's somebody that uh, we kind of fit the bill. So now they kind of got to find that, right? Um, I think I think you're right. I think the scheme's got issues, and I think the biggest concern about it was that when teams were running over them last year, they just stayed in that that dime sub package with a linebacker, with a safety at linebacker, with Daniel Sorensen at linebacker. And, like, that just wasn't, like, a great fit. Teams knew how to run at that. The gap discipline was off. Um, the tackling wasn't great. You know, just the inside of the defense and the personnel, like, wasn't good enough. And, like, you know, the scheme could have been better, considering that as certainly so – um, they got, you know, this is Brett Veach's job to help fix that. Like Andy Reid brought Bob Sutton back, which was a vote of confidence, saying, "I believe you can fix it." Here, I traded Marcus Peters. Here, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna change some things. Like you got another year to prove it. So, I do think Sutton to be motivated to change it. It's just gonna be, can he do it? And let's talk about prospects, Nick. I know you watch the tape as much as anybody. Um, Baldy, I know you do too when you have the time. Is there anybody in the front seven, linebackers, nose, edge, um, that you guys kind of like for the Chiefs in the first three rounds or first four rounds? Um, Baldy, anybody in particular? Or Nick, you can go too. Well, you know, the thing is, you know, I, I just wanted to comment on something Nick said. You know, you, you see a guy like Mike DeVito and what he brought to the, the field in the sense that when you went to a regular 30 front, he had the hand quickness, the leg strength, and the ability to diagnose a play so quick in that. And when he played a base two front, and that's why you could bring a player in like that and you can build around that, and then you go to your sub package. So that. It's hard a lot of times if you've got guys that aren't, you know, base defenses and trying to ease the gap. It's very frustrating. Absolutely. So, I I tell you, right now I think that one of the things we're going to have to improve on also, too, is that it's the pass rush. I like the linebacker, the kid from Georgia. I think he's somebody that can come off the edge for us. Um, I like his moves, his counter moves, and things like that. Oh, Lorenzo and Carter. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think he's a guy that you can bring in right now, and he's got enough in his wheelhouse to start playing right now. You build around somebody like that. In the, in, in the D-line, uh, there's a couple kids. Uh, I think it's a kid Payne from Alabama. I don't know if he's going to be around <laughs> when the Chiefs are going. Maybe they trade up or something. But I just think they need somebody on the inside who has, has the physical strength. 
physical strength to maintain gap control. Because you're going to play 30 front, you got some question marks at linebackers, and maybe guys aren't there like Derek Johnson in terms of diagnosing plays that quick. You want a guy in there that that is is just hell on wheels, guys. That can just it, he, he's got to take a double team every time. And I, I think that kid from Alabama could be that one. Absolutely, Nick. Who you like? Yeah, Bonnie Bonnie says the one I like is the edge rusher with Lorenzo Carter. Because I watched his game against Notre Dame, and he just he looks so polished, and he was fast, and he was aggressive, and he played with an intensity, and he was relentless, and he he disengaged from blocks, and he just he just had everything that that Chiefs defense has needed, and uh, multiple playoff games that could have helped them get over the hump against a guy named Brady, and one year or a guy Andrew Luck or. Marcus Mariota, who shouldn't even be in the same categories as other two people, but he is because the Chiefs lost. Um, but defensive line-wise, I, I really like your your boy Hurst up there with Michigan. Yeah, I know he had the heart condition, but the way that guy plays, how athletic he is, how uh, the strength that he has. Because uh, I know Baldy taught me this a long time ago, where you, uh, a guy who you can get to rock back an offensive lineman. In college, to see that kind of strength, and Khalil Mack is one of the people, one of the first people I saw be able to do that, just be able to rock a guy back. And Hurst, at times, with his combination and his power, he's able to do that. And I, like I said, I know I don't know where that heart condition is going to take him to. If it's going to be just out of, if it's going to keep him in the first round, or it's going to take him out of that. But that that's a guy that if you brought either one of those two in. I, uh, I, th- I think you're off to the races pretty quick and helping change that attitude and mentality. I agree. Uh, I love Maurice Hurst. You know, it's not just the power he plays with either. Um, really quick off the ball. Really, really disruptive when allowed to shoot gaps. He's actually tailor-made to play the three technique in the Chiefs scheme. And um, he could really help on passing downs too. Uh, and maybe the heart condition drops him to the late. I mean, to the to the early second or mid-second. At that point, I've said it many times, I think the Chiefs could easily move up to the 40s somewhere and grab a player they really like. So if he checks out medically, um, I believe Star Lotulele from the Panthers had a similar type deal and he's played this long. You know, he's somebody the Chiefs would, would, would fare really, really well to get. Um, as far as edge rushers go, you know, I've said this before, I really like Obo Okoronkwo. From Oklahoma, I think he plays with a lot of energy and a lot of passion. He's got strong hands. Um, you know, he's a he's a really powerful guy, and I could see him falling maybe even to the third round because he's just not very tall, even though his arms are long. Um, I also like Nate Shepard from Forhey State. I think that he's really athletic, gifted. He's going to require a little bit of time to develop, but you know, I know he cares about football, and he's taking the long road to get here. Believe me, he came all the way from Canada. And turned into a player at Fort Hayes. So um, that, those are just some guys I kind of like. I think, you know, uh, Carter is definitely somebody who I could see becoming a really good player with some coaching. Um, I saw that Notre Dame game as well. I'm like, whoa. You know, he kind of reminds me of De- Daniel Hunter from Minnesota, um, where, like, he's got all this ability and, like, it's in his body. And you don't always see it all the time. But guys like that sometimes tap into it in the league. You know, when they get here and they get to focus on it full time and they get their grown man strength, they become really good players. So I could totally see that. And I think 
this is actually a pretty decent draft for edge rushers as far as value goes in a second third round i think they're going to be able to get one without necessarily moving up is for the defensive lineman nick you know Maurice Hurst, that 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 you're gonna have to go, Deron Payne, like you said, Baldy, that you'd have to go up and get. I actually meant to get back to offensive linemen too. Um, Baldy, we'll start with you again. Are there who? I'm really interested. Who are the offensive linemen that you put your seal of approval on? Is there anybody in particular that's kind of stood out to you? Well, I you know the, the, you know the couple kids from Notre Dame, the guard and everything, but. You know, I, I think the offensive lineman is so much of a thing at developmental league now coming in from college because you just don't spend your time anymore yeah. doing the basic things. You know, it's all this spread offense and then two-point stances all the time. And, you know, I remember hearing about, you know, Nate Solder coming in and having to relearn his game again, be able to put his hand on the ground and go and be physical and knock somebody off the football because – just didn't do it in Colorado as much. So I, I just, you know, I think anybody you bring in, I, I, I just think it just takes time for them to get comfortable into the system, to understand the physical strength that's needed, how you have to play the game. And, of course, I think the biggest thing I think for a lot of these guys is just balance. You know, you just don't see kids like Tom Bahali in college. You don't play against people that can set you up and use your momentum against you so quickly and get you off balance and just make you look funny. Mm-hmm. And so I think for a lot of these guys, so, you know, I, I, I think any of them you bring in, it just takes some time to get used to that and some developmental and some coaching. And uh, I won't talk about that with the Chiefs, but <laughs> I just think that that's where I think we've, we've got to be better in some places there. But I think for college kids coming out, it's just the athleticism, what you see in the defensive line. And then also being able to you you know win that battle of physical strength because right? they just don't do it as much in college anymore. Baldy, how good is uh, the guards tape from Notre Dame, Quentin Nelson? How much did you enjoy that? Well, no, I like Quentin Nelson because of one thing: his ability to get to the second level. He understands angles and everything. And he does one of the things you don't see many kids do anymore. He can put his hand on the ground, drop his hip, and in red zone, goal line, he can move somebody off the football. Yep. I mean, isn't that what it's all about, the offensive line? I mean, able able to walk somebody off the line of scrimmage. And that's where I think that this kid is hands above everybody else in college right now. Yeah. And it's just you just don't find those guys. And I remember Howard Mutt telling me about you know, my former line coach, you know, a few years ago was saying that this whole thing with the spread offense, this is where you were going to find the biggest problems was in the offensive line. And he was correct. Trying to find those tackles and guards anymore. They're just not plentiful like they used to be. What do you, what do you like about Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame, the, the, the tackle? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were talking to Nick. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, Baldy. What do you think about Mike McGlinchey, the tackle well, from Notre Dame? Well, what I liked about him, and also, who's the kid from UCLA? Who's the big tackle? Oh, Colton Miller. The left tackle. Colton Miller. You like yeah. him? Okay. Yeah, and one of the things I like about these guys that, you know, as I talk about two-point stance now, a lot of these guys, one of the things you see is they don't, a lot of the guys think have issues that don't bend their knees. Yeah. But this kid from Notre Dame, real good about sitting down and keeping his weight over his knees and his ankles and staying balanced. 
And that gives you a chance. That gives you a chance now. Because now, you, I, I, if you're there, it makes that much easier to play in space. If you have issues bending, and it's not only knees, I'm talking ankles and hips. If you're stiff, you get in the NFL. I think the perfect example was who was the kid, uh, the tackle came out of Iowa about a decade ago. They wanted him to play left tackle for the Raiders. Robert, Robert Gallery. Yeah. Gallery. Gallery. Yeah. Had to put him in the guard. Just could not play in space. Didn't have the good flexibility to play out there. And I mean, if you lack flexibility, you're not going to be able to play out in space and take on those fine edge rushers. I got you. Edge rushes, excuse me, in the NFL. I got you. Nick, um, offensive line, man, who you got? I know you looked at him. Who you like? I, I actually, I just started today, and <laughs> I had to go handle, I had to go handle some business. So um, I, was, I, was, I was, like, driving Miss Daisy today for a couple family members. Um, so did that. So, unfortunately, I didn't get as far as I wanted before we uh, started this podcast. I've only looked at the Notre Dame tackle, and that's, that's about it so far. I got you. Uh, I'll speak for myself then. I, I like the Notre Dame kids, obviously. It's kind of crazy. They had those two guys and a good blocking tight end in Durham Smythe. <laughs> like, that, that's a crazy run-blocking trio. Um, and, and can you remind me where their, uh, where their coach went to again? You know where he went, Chicago. Harry Hines. Oh, yeah. Matt there? Nagy. Matt Nagy knows the importance of building a good offensive line, and um, that's weird. Yeah, he he understands what he's doing. Nagy is going to be very good. Um, a couple guys I like. Something they, Go ahead. Terrence, that's something they, they haven't had in Chicago. They've had issues with that offensive line. I think it was always there about a week ago in Chicago, and they're talking about it. It's been something that has gone on now for over a decade. For them. They haven't been able to settle on the tackle position, the guard inside. It, it's been something that has, has bothered them forever. So I think with Matt Nagy going up there, I think he's going to address this real quick. Can we address something else, too? Nick, you mentioned this earlier. I think all three of us have said at different points that we think Mitch Mortis Morse is a guard, right? Um, yeah. Well, why do you think – I mean, I don't think three of us are crazy – like, why do you think, like, he never played out there? And they never just gave Fulton, they never went with the line that we all thought was the best, you know, where it'd be Fisher, Morse on one side, and then Fulton. In the, like, why do you think they never never went there? Either one of you guys, Baldy? Well, I would say that you have to get credit. I think they found the comfort level for Zach Fulton was not at the guard position because I think he leaned on his hands too much. Yep. He wasn't that type of guy who could play even in in the box. He needed two people right next to him. He needed the guy to hit him right in the head. Yep. Because he had the stoutness to physically keep his body leaning on the nose tackle. Right. And I think once he was given time, that's why he really, I think, propelled himself and why he went on because just of his ability to do that. And at the at the center position. So I think he kind of grew and got comfortable. And, you know, I think of what I talked about before. Sometimes it just takes a while to get that comfort level of what position you're at in the National Football League. And I think it was Zach Bolton that was at the center position. I agree. Nick, what do you think? I Honestly, I, I think they like to pull their center a lot. And it seems like that's something that they're big on. And they the run plays they want to do and how they want to get outside. I think they just think that they have to have a pulling center all the time 
And I felt like they've always sacrificed because of that because I think their pocket at times has collapsed on them because the center's trying to help the guard or or the or vice versa with that aspect to where it yeah. just it's so I felt like it's always been a headache for him and especially it was in two thousand fourteen when you had the turnstile that was uh, Mike McGlynn back then. Yeah. Um and and I just I think they uh I just I think the Chiefs have been locked in on we we got rid of Rodney Hudson because we wanted somebody more athletic that could pull and get in space and they felt they got that in Mitch Morris and they stuck with that and when when Mitch Morris would get hurt which has unfortunately been a lot in his career um, they break the glass and then they would put a then they obviously put Fulton in center and then occasionally they would put Jaw Reed at his. Uh, at the position that he was better at at guard, and when him and Fulton, we liked it, and Jeff Allen, and when yeah. Jeff Allen and Fulton and and Ja Reed were all together in that interior, not coinc- they they moved some people <laughs> off the ball. Not coincidentally, it was the favorite version of this line we've seen, um, at least since the 2013 line, which wasn't coached up by anybody here per se. There's a lot of veterans, but um, yeah, uh, Nick, I agree with you, man. I, you know, I. It'd be nice to watch this team move somebody off the ball more consistently, especially on the interior. Um, especially when you're playing Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah. I think you need that. And I feel like the Steelers, like, always, like, ruin this team for, like, a month because they, they beat them up so much on the interior. Like, the whole struggles last year started after they played Pittsburgh and got it and got beat up up front, you know what I mean, on both sides, man. Like, that Pittsburgh game cost him like three more games. <laughs> um, I'll also say this: that that's why I don't think that it'd be a bad deal to take a center if James Daniels there from Iowa. You know he's been coached well. You know I, I could get it. I could get behind it. Will Hernandez is a dominant run blocking guard. Guards don't get taken that high. I could get behind it. I think you know you got to trust in your evaluation. But I think the Chiefs are actually very in tune to the fact they might need some interior help. So we're we're just gonna see. Uh, let's let's shift back to defense really quick. Um, let's talk about the secondary real quick before I get. You guys off the phone. Um, the Chiefs traded Marcus Peters, and they're going to replace him with Kendall Fuller. Kendall Fuller is a very good player, but all last year, teams were throwing the ball around by basically just avoiding Marcus Peters. You target the rotating cast of guys across from him. Right now, for you two, what kind of comfort do you have in the Kendall Fuller, David Amerson, and Steven Nelson triumvirate at corner, and potentially their backups as well. Like, How important is it to get somebody else in here who could be a high-level starter? Baldy? I don't think you can, you know, Nick, I don't think you, any guys, I just don't think you can have enough corners, right? I mean, it's a passing league. Uh, quarterbacks are in shotgun 60% of the time. Uh, the ball's being thrown, so you got to have corners that can turn and run. But I also know one thing, if there's no pressure on the quarterback, <laughs> you can have a backfield full of Michael Jordans, and it's not going to make a difference. <laughs> um, you, so I, I think a corner, they'll be all right. But unless we address the situation up front, because, listen, you know, Justin Houston, I don't think he had a sack, if I'm correct, after the Denver game at home. Yeah. And you don't you don't see the lateral movement. You, I don't know what D Ford is. You know, hopefully he comes back from his back, but we don't see the depth um, there. So 
I, you know, I, I think that that, to me, is so much more of the onus for the Chiefs in this draft right now than the cornerback. Yeah. I think they'll be all right at cornerback position. But listen, you know, you lose a player like Marcus Peters, you'll never make up for his athletic ability and his vision of finding the football. I mean, he'd be something that, – that's a rare occurrence to have both of that ability on the field. But – Again, we saw also, too, with no pass rush, eventually they're going to find ways to get that ball down the field. So look for them in the front seven. I think this is where it, it, it's overwhelming that if they don't take care of that issue, it doesn't really matter who they're going to have the cornerback. Nick, where you at on it, baby? Yeah, I, I, would, I mean, personally, I would, I would like to see a corner added at some point in this draft, a quality corner, that is. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a lot to be had there, especially – um, my favorite guy is from the, the North Carolina guy inside. Guy from the uh, MJ Stewart. That's it. Mm-hmm. MJ Stewart from North Carolina. I, I would like to see him in kind of a nickel slot dedication, and and I would feel a little bit more comfortable with Fuller and Amerson. I mean, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in safety, who they're going to have with Barry, and how does Barry come back? And I mean, with the approach the Chiefs are going to take on offense, to where. Well, I think we all know that they're going to try to they're going to try to have shootouts, and they're going to try to win games, and they're going to try to run up the score like the Eagles did last year and win the Super Bowl. And like Baldy said, and Baldy taught me this a long time ago, you either have the there's two things you need in this league: you either have the quarterback that can take you there, or you better have a pass rush that can stop that quarterback from taking them there. Yep. And and Jeez. that's that's really what this game comes down to. I mean, yeah, secondary. Like Baldy pointed out, I mean, you can have, like Baldy said, you can have all the Michael Jordans in the world, Deion Sanders, whoever you want, but if you don't have a defensive line that can collapse that pocket, then it, it really, you're just, you know, it doesn't really matter what you do. So, yeah. uh, I, 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 if I were them, I would invest early yep. in getting that defensive lineman and try to get another edge rusher. Yep. So you're not depending on Justin Houston to maybe have his lateral movement for D Ford maybe not to have back issues. And you kind of also have that next wave of rush because that's what happens in the playoffs every year with them. It seems like their edge rushers that were carrying them at some point during the year get hurt. And then come playoff time, you don't, you don't have a pass rush anymore. You got Frank Zombo out there. So yeah. that's, I mean, that's one of the things. Like, yeah, I, I think you've got to invest early in the front seven. I would like to see a corner and a higher energy corner, and I would like to see a safety. Uh, but yeah, it's just I, you, you gotta you gotta get that rush first. I'm with you guys. That's just not. It's a priority, but not as much as edge and defensive line. You know, if I had to watch one more game last year where they couldn't get after the quarterback, like I wanted to scream, you know, just because D4 got hurt, and all of a sudden you can't generate a pass rush. You know, you don't like seven on seven football. <laughs> Look. <laughs> I'm I'm against it fundamentally. Um, I also like if you look at the Philly game, like game number two last year with the Chiefs, completely different looking defense than what we saw in November, and even December, completely different. So that's why in my last mock I had them going D line edge rusher with their first two picks. You cannot have enough of those guys. Like, yeah, I know I know the Patriots score a lot of points in the Super Bowl, but like you look at Philly's front seven, man, those guys are stacked up front, man. Derek Barnett was coming off the bench, dude. <laughs> like they had a lot of guys that they could kind of throw at you and get get after you. And that's no secret. Like that's what you need in this league. And I think one more thing to think about on the defensive line, guys, Jarvis Jenkins, um, 
um, um, Alan Bailey, um, Xavier Williams, all those guys are going to be Raheem Nunez Roaches. They will all be slated to be free agents next year. Leaving the only one under contract is Chris Jones, who um, will only have a year left after that anyway. So, oh yeah, they need more depth there for sure. And I think, you know, they got to come away with a dominant kind of upfront player. Um, or potentially dominant in a year or two up front player but one of their first two picks. Yeah, but I think also, you know, Torres, not to interrupt you, but you brought out some great points. Same with you, Nick. I mean, we've got to see, when you watch that Philadelphia defensive line in the Super Bowl, you saw so many games, so many stunts, and eventually what happened? Yes. They got Shaq Mason, the right guard, turned. Yep. They got the one sack they needed at the end of the game. Yep. They win the Super Bowl. Yep. We line up, and, you know, we'll run one stunt, and you get Derek Johnson, and you won't see anything the rest of the game. I have no Nothing. idea why that is. I have none. And, and, and that's why I'm talking about philosophy. And, you know, it, it, there's even that big kid from Washington who was, what was it, the number one bench presser, that kid, huh. Vita Vea, whatever, yeah, Vita from Washington, Bay. what he benched. Beat a bench like two, 225, 50 times or something. And <laughs> he's yeah. supposed to be a guy who can move. Really well, but how many times do we ever see games? Or because I, you know, I just remember as a player sometimes, you know, and I remember the days when Mark Gastineau was there, Joe Clutto with the Jets, and you would just it would be a nightmare with these guys the way they would run TEs, ETs. That if you were late just a hair, it was a sack. So I just want to see that more. I, you know, I want to see people in combination with Justin Houston because. You got to believe that guy coming around the corner. Who's who, who's going to step up and take on his bull rush? So that's what I'm saying. Some of these things, philosophy, but also the player wise. I think if you go edge rush or inside in this guy's, I you can't be wrong. We just need more depth and we need quality play at those positions. I agree. I agree. Um, I'll say this too. I am reasonably certain you'll see a little more aggressive defense this year. I think you'll see more press coverage. Um, and I think you might see more games too. Like I, I can't imagine that Andy Reid would just like look at that tape this year and just say, okay, the amount of games we ran this year was okay, or um, the fact we weren't aggressive enough was okay. I think that you will see them kind of get back to being um, aggressive like he was in 2013 because, I mean, you know, there's, there's pressure on Bob Sutton. Like, the local columnist has written a story about, you know, uh, about, you know, it's time for him to go. And I think sometimes that kind of thing brings the best out of people. Um, so I actually do kind of think that, you know, they will be more aggressive. Now, whether it works, I don't know. But it certainly has to be if they want to do some of the things that they want to do this year with Mahomes. Um, as far as winning games and just helping him develop, like the defense can't be letting him get in shootouts because he gets hit more when they got to throw 45 times a game. Um, okay, we're, we're about to wrap this thing up. Um, appreciate both your time. Uh, let's give final thoughts here. Baldy, what do you want to see the Chiefs do here on, on Thursday night and Friday and Saturday? What should they do? So let's begin that long road to finally, you, you know, I, I'll, I'll put it this way, Therese. I, I want to begin this long road to finally seeing the championship year one day. But you, you brought up a point, and I think we dis- when you look at the Chiefs from 30,000 feet, and believe me, I travel this country and people ask me about this team, 
And two years in a row, you see this team absolutely collapse in the second half. Yep. Just lose all their life. And it's like, you talked about having an alpha player. I just think we need a dog somewhere. I just think we need some guy that will say something to these players on the sidelines. You know, I just don't think of that Tennessee game in the second half and the way they came out and just throttled us. And there was no impact from the players. So, to me, I think that alpha player can be at any position, but just some guy who's going to make people accountable on that field. Because it's not coming from the coaches. So it better be some player on the field. I agree. Nick, give me your final thoughts, man. Yeah, I mean, this weekend, I want to see the Chiefs add add players and it kind of ties into both these things. I just want to see the Chiefs add defensive players that play with attitude. They play with passion. They play with intensity. They're relentless. They go for four quarters. It doesn't matter what the score is. If it's a corner, I want to see them giving everything they have in a tackle. I want to see that old lady stuff like I saw last year with the guy who likes to pump the football and he's gone now. I don't want to see that. I want to see some, I want to see linebackers like uh, Hitchens. I want to see him hit hard. I want to see defensive linemen that stonewall people and get after him. I want to see unpredictability on defense. I want to see pieces, then add the pieces so there can be no excuse for why they don't do it or didn't try it. And then offensively, I want to, I want to, Pat Mahomes is going to be the, I want to see Pat Mahomes become the leader of that football team. Yep. Something I've always kind of wondered with Alex is, and Baldy and I had talked about in the past, is you watch Alex on the sidelines at the time compared to like the Brady's or maybe the Rodgers or Peyton Manning's of the world. Peyton Manning's calling somebody out or he's trying to raw raw some people up. And, and I, I want to, I'm curious to see how Pat Mahomes does that and how he leads this football team and does he get all, Ten of those other guys in the huddle to believe and sell out and sacrifice themselves so that they can try to win a championship. Because I just kind of feel like that's been part of the problem. Is there's there's just not enough of that buy-in to sacrifice everything they have to try to win a championship. And so offensively, I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more nastiness on the offensive line drafted this weekend. I'd like to see another tight end that could help with Kelsey if Kelsey got hurt. That they could do that. I'd like to see a fast spot receiver. There's a lot of stuff I want to see, but at the end of the day, it all ties back to that part of what he's talking about, where I want to see, I want to know that I saw 22 guys that had the passion and gave everything they had and genuinely wanted to win a championship and not just talk about it. Could have said it better myself. I think got to get some more help up front, man. But in general, I kind of trust Brett Veach's ability to evaluate talent. Like, I don't think he's going to be afraid to go up and get someone if he thinks um, they can help, especially on defense. Um, Just draft people who love football and, like, genuinely get after it and play with an attitude and swagger. Um, I would like to see them draft kind of a a player with some alpha traits, too, to do what you and Baldy said, kind of dig in people and, and lead from the front. Mahomes has a chance to do that, but the man is just 22 years old. You know, it's tough to do that fully as a rook, as a he'll basically be a rookie. Um, I think you need some veteran guys to do that, um, and I think they would have done that if they had maybe like just a little bit more money in free agency, <laughs> just a little bit. And we know they're still paying for the sins of cap past but uh you're saying Dorse didn't handle that <laughs> in the meantime in the meantime they've got to draft young players with those traits and let them grow with pat and the rest and, and let them set the culture of this room i think that played a part in marcus peters being traded as well you know um you know making sure that you know pat could have like the strongest voice in the room and that 
that voice is going to be someone who always leads people to do, you know, um, the, the best like pro football thing and, and keep everyone together. Um, sometimes that honesty isn't what's best for the team. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be interesting. I think, I think that if it's considering the fact they don't have a first round pick, I'm still going to be pretty engaged Thursday because with Brett Veach, you never know. You never know. So, guys, I really appreciate your time. I hope this was, um, I hope this was fun for you guys to do, and I hope this was fun for the listeners. Um, remember to follow us on Sports Beat KC. Download that on iTunes. Rate and review us. I'd appreciate that. Um, and for Nick Jacobs. And for Rich Baldinger, I'm Therese Paler. I will see you guys next time. Peace.